figure it out by this morning. Our, our theme today is light. God is light. Scriptures say God is light, and in him there is no darkness, none at all. And then the, in the Bible, light is quite often parallel with life. If you have light, you have life. Today is the Sunday closest to when the church celebrates when the Magi found Jesus. They followed a light, and they found the light. Light's an important symbol in our in our Bible to point us to Christ. But in life, sometimes things don't go the way we want. Sometimes life is dark. It may be a small thing, a little small to some of us, you know, my oldest daughter, she was sick for almost all of Christmas vacation. She got sick right before school got out, and she got better just in time to head back to school. It's not the way I would want to spend Christmas. It reminded me, when I was about her age, actually I was a little younger than her. Um, I was maybe in first grade. My brother and I got chicken pox for Christmas. That's not what how we wanted to spend Christmas break. That's a minor thing. Chicken pox lasts for a few weeks. What about cancer? What about surgeries? What about death? All these are events that I'll tell you I don't want, but I've had. And then rightly, those things bring us down. But as we look at the book of Job... We've got to remember what we're looking at. If I gain a proper perspective of God, maybe I'll also have a proper perspective of all that other stuff. We're going to be in Job chapter 3 if you want to turn there. And Job is down in this chapter. All this bad stuff, he's lost all his possessions, he's lost his children, he's lost his health, and in chapter 3 he is down. He is in the dark. But if we look closely at this chapter, we'll still see that God is a light in his darkness. And we're going to see, maybe you, Job's uh, uh, illustration that he's drawing from, this thing that he's longing for for most of the chapter, may actually be something that some of you experience in your own lives, uh, yourselves or someone near to you. He's going to talk about... Uh, being a stillborn baby. So I want you to be ready for that. So Job chapter 3. We're gonna, I'm going to start reading verses 1 through 13. It says, After this, Job began to speak and curse the day he was born. He said, May the day I was born perish, and the night that said, A boy is conceived. If only that day had turned to darkness. May God above not care about it or light shine on it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it and a cloud settle over it. May what darkness, may what darkness the day terrify it. If only darkness had taken that night away, may it not appear among the days of the year or be listed on the calendar. Yes, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout be heard in it. Let those who curse days condemn it. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars grow dark. May it wait for daylight but have none. May it not see the breaking of dawn. For that night 
did not shut the doors of my mother's womb and hide sorrow from my eyes. Why was I not stillborn? Why did, not die? Why did I not die as I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me, and why was there breast for me to nurse? Now I would certainly be lying down in peace. See, with all this mourning, with all this sadness, with all this wishing to never be born, Job realizes with God there's peace. Now, Job is not suicidal here. He's there. It's a subtle difference, but there is a difference between saying, I wish I was dead, and I wish I had never been born alive. Subtle difference, but there is a difference. See, he's realizing that if, if, if one is born alive, then you live life, I live life, and I go through the ups and the downs. I have the light of life, and I also have the darkness and grief of life. And Job is explaining here to us what a person experiences that has a living spirit, but never gets to actually live the life. And he says, for that baby that never actually gets to live life on this earth, that person lays down in peace. Now, he's not talking about rest in peace. That person is just laid in a grave. He's This word that, that in this translation translates peace, it means undisturbed. It's most often used of the land. The land was at peace, which can mean two things. One, it means there was no war. The land was at peace, and war tears up land, and war tears up people. So he's saying, I would be at peace. My life would have none of the that violence. And he's also it's also used of like land on the Sabbath. If the land is at peace, then it's at rest. It's not being upset it's not being turned over when land is at rest or, or when land is not at rest that's when the farmer tills the soil that's when the farmer turns it over it's a necessary thing if we're going to plant in the soil you till the soil you turn it over that aerates the soil if there were plants there from last season that turns those plants upside down and puts them underneath so it puts nutrients back into the ground Upsetting the soil is what the ground needs to grow. But sometimes the ground just needs to sit. It's not good to always turn up the ground. Sometimes things just need renewal. Sometimes the ground needs peace. The land needs peace. And he says, Job is saying, that's what life is for the stillborn child. A place of Sabbath. A place of rest. A place of no violence. That's where God is. When I looked at that, I thought, I thought about 
the hippies of the 1960s America. They wanted peace. Make love, not war. It's a response to Vietnam. Rest from our work of war, of turning up our country and other countries. But Job is not looking to cease war. He's looking, he says, I wish I could go back in time to a place where there never was war in my life. But he's not Michael J. Fox. He can't go back. We can all long for that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So Jesus promises this peace in our life. And I found it interesting when I looked up the cross-references, because I hadn't really noticed this before. Exodus thirty-three fourteen is a parallel passage where God says to the people of Israel, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't make up this idea of giving us rest. It was promised way back through Moses that God gives his people rest, peace in the land. And so even if we don't have it now, if we're not feeling it right this moment, Hebrews 4.9 promises, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. There's still something coming where we can have that rest. We don't have to go back in time. See, I don't have the ability to go back in time. I can't even change what I had for breakfast this morning, let alone go back to the day of my birth. So what hope do I have? Well, God is a light in the darkness. So Job continues. Job 3, continuing verse 13. He said, I would be asleep. Then I would rest with the kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruined cities for themselves or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden like a miscarried child, like infants who never see daylight? There the wicked cease to make trouble, and there the weary find rest. The captives are completely at rest. They do not hear a taskmaster's voice, both small and greater there, and the slave is set free from his master. So there's not just this peace as in like Sabbath rest, but with, he's saying here, with God there is rest, and it's a different kind of rest. This word rest here is not the word for Sabbath. It's not even the word for sleeping. It actually means placement. The clearest reference I can give you is Adam was placed in the garden. In other words, this word they saying I was getting arrested means God puts me in a good place. That's what he's longing for. And he says, if he had been stillborn, God would have placed him in a good place. And this place is a place where there's kings and counselors and princes. And slaves and captives. But they're all at rest. They're all placed in this good place. Kings and counselors and princes, he says, they're there because they've built these great things and have gold and silver. 
what he's talking about here is lots of times that's if you ever looked at like a archaeological show and they show the burial chambers of kings and pharaohs and stuff like that it's all has all this possessions and gold and all this kinds of stuff that's stuff they wanted to take with them to the afterlife the reason why one reason why kings would build temples and kings would be one of the few people to be able to go go in the temple is because that was a way of entering into the afterlife. They would build these things so that they would have access to the afterlife in a good way. But Job says, if I was stillborn, I'd get there without all that work. In fact, slaves get there too. And the captives get there too. And we have the phrase, sleeping like a baby. Because a baby doesn't have to worry. A baby doesn't have to work. And Job is looking for a time, not just where there was no war, but where there's no work to get to God. Remember, Job has been working One of the reasons why God was so proud of Job is one of the things Job did is he made sacrifices for his sins. He made sacrifices for the sins of his children. He had been doing the work in faith that he was supposed to do. And he said, if I had died at birth, I'd just be in God's presence. There's this time where our work is done. And there's rest. And we're placed in a good place. God promised that to his people. Isaiah 2.4 said, He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation. nor And they will never again train for war. You know, we use war as our work to make peace. I think it was Ronald Reagan said, peace through superior firepower. At least that's how I remember it. <laughs> but God is promising a place where there's peace and we don't need the weapons of war. Hosea 2.18 also affirms it. On that day I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that crawl on the ground. I will shatter bow, sword, and weapons of war in the land and will enable people to rest securely. It's not just for the people. It's for the whole earth. All creation, even the animals, are going to look forward to be placed in a place where there's peace and rest. And we get a picture of Jesus ushering that in in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Here's the thing. Job is longing to go back to a time where he can't go back to, and God's promise is not a promise to go backwards. The promises of a new creation that starts over without all the previous upset. And the earth comes to this place not by any work on my part, but because of the redeeming work of Jesus. Because 
his life went through the grief and torment of the cross and the darkness of the tomb, but was raised to light and life. He brings a new life. It's not for the one who works, but for the ones who has faith. As I said, I don't have the ability to go back in time. Although I can change my actions now, I can't change any of the choices we made as a church over the last seven years. It is what it is. And we move forward. I certainly can't go back to the day of my birth. So what hope do I have? It's what Jesus already did in the past that impacts my future. Because he's the light in my darkness. Job finishes off. Job 3.20 through 26. Why is light given to one burdened with grief and life to those whose existence is bitter, who wait for death but it does not come and search for it more than hidden treasure, who are filled with much joy and are glad when they reach the grave? Why is life given to a man whose path is hidden, whom God has hedged in? I sigh when food is put before me. And my groans pour out like water. For the thing which I feared has overtaken me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I cannot relax or be calm. I have no rest. Turmoil has come. I know it's hard to see there, but Job is also saying, with God there's joy. Now, here in this last section, Job has gotten, he's getting out of talking about stillborn children, and now he moves on to where we are, people who have lived on the earth. He realizes, I can't go back in time. And he says, he looks at his life, and I can look at my life, he says, when my life is a burden of grief, when my life is bitter, when my path is unsure, when I don't see that I have any options, when I can't even eat, whether it's I can't eat because of my grief or I can't eat because I don't have food, when I'm in mourning, when I'm in pain, when I'm sick, when I'm living in fear or dread, when I can't even relax, when I can't be calm, when I can't sleep, somehow I can still find joy. Where's that joy? Well, Job says, Death is joy. What? (laughs) Remember, Job is not suicidal. He doesn't want to die. (laughs) So how can he say death is joy? He's saying, even if my life seems completely hopeless, even if everything is going wrong, there's still a party to be had in God's presence. Even if I have nothing else to look forward to, I still can look forward to God. 
That joy that he says that comes with death, that joy, it, it, everywhere it's used, it has to do with celebration, usually with music and eating. He says, even if this life I have nothing to look forward to, if I have faith in God, I got a party to go to. There's always some hope, even when it seems like there's none. I remember an uh, illustration I heard. This uh, woman was asking a pastor. She, she was older, and her adult son was living with her, and he wasn't working. And she says, I'm working day after day after day. She says, I'm getting sick and tired, and I just can't do it anymore. And my son won't get a job to help out. He says, well, if you're sick, don't go to work. He says, well, if I don't go to work, that's not good. He says, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? He says, well, I'd lose my job. He says, well, if you lose your job, well, then you can stay home and get better. What's the worst that could happen? Well, we run out of food. He says, well, then you can spend some time fasting and praying. What's the worst that could happen? He says, well, if I run out of food, I might die. Oh, well, then you get to be with God. So she stayed home. And her son said, are you going to go to work, Mom? She says, no, I'm too sick. So he went out and got a job. (laughs) You know, when I was younger, before I knew that funerals actually cost money, (laughs) I thought it would be really cool to have a New Orleans-style funeral. I'm going to show you a a little video of, uh, of how those go. Oh, where's the video? There it goes. Turn up a little, please. probably all been to funerals that were very sad events and we've probably been to funerals that have been very celebratory events 
and I appreciate how the New Orleans style does both. Um, it's, it's sad to say, you know, I didn't grow up down there. My first exposure to, to even what that remotely looked like was a James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. I remember there's a spy, and he's standing on a street corner in New Orleans, and here comes a funeral, and they're marching slow, and they're doing the sad music, and they're carrying the casket. And a man comes up, stands up to him, and he says, well, whose funeral is it? And they say, yours. And they kill him, and they put him in the coffin, and then they start playing, when the saints go marching in. It's like, you know, kind of ironic, but it's it's like it, it did portray the actual, how the funeral goes, other than the murder, <laughs> you know, in an accurate way. But I always thought that was interesting, that this time of great grief can also be a time of great joy at the same time. David writes in Psalm 30, O Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you as faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? You turn my lament into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and you clothe me with gladness. See, ultimately, my hope is not in having a good life on this earth. I want to have a good life on this earth. I'm going to do my best to have a good life on this earth for me, my family, for this church. But life has its ups and downs. My hope is in the resurrection. So despite all the ups and downs of life, I always have hope. Even in my death, because death is not my end. I can't go back in time. I can't change that I've lost people to death in the past. I can't change the date of my birth. So what hope do I have? God is a light in my darkness. My faith is not in my past anyway. My faith is in Jesus, who's alive forever. Our namesake, John Wesley, he preached his last sermon on February 17th, 1791. He preached, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye on him while he is near. Isaiah 55, 6. And the following day, he went to a sick bed. During the days of his illness, he often repeated the words from one of his brother's hymns, I, chief of sinners, am, but Jesus died for me. And his last words on March 2nd, 1791, were, Best of all is, God is with us. God was light in his darkness, and he's light in ours. Let's pray. From Psalm 84, How lovely is your dwelling place, O God. I long for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How, how happy are those who reside in your house, 
who can pray to you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage to your house. They go from strength to strength. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Happy is the person who trusts in you. Lord, today we all have ups and downs. Some of us today might be up for the new year, some of us down. Or in the middle. But let our let us all put our hope in you today. You are our light, you are our life. You don't change the past, nor do you ask us to change the past. You ask us to move into the future with you. But you do make the sins of the past not count against us, and we thank you for that. Lord, this year let us walk in the light as you are the light. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen.